Hello everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Happiness in Humans. My name is Matt Phelan and I am here with Bianca. Hey Bianca, how are you? Hello Matt, I'm really, really good. So happy, actually, happy to talk to you today. <laughs> so Bianca, um, please introduce yourself to our, uh, to our guests. Uh, so first of all, I want to say that I met Matt because we had a TEDx together in Brighton. And uh, the best thing about Matt is that he wanted a hug from my mom. <laughs> it was the sweetest thing I've seen before starting the TEDx. Uh, but my name is Bianca Cefalo. I am um, a space engineer uh, and I am also the CEO and co-founder of Space Dots where that he's a new space startup based in the UK and we do Pico labs for on-orbit testing of advanced materials. Plus I also have an executive role with Carbice, which is a deep tech startup in the US based in Atlanta. We're doing some amazing nanomaterials, carbon nanotube based for the space industry and also other industries. So basically let's say I do space and, and quirky materials on pretty much any time zone. That's that's my life. Wow. <laughs> so that's amazing, Bianca. And I, I, I want to come back to that because I still don't even under, understand what half of that is. And and <laughs> I need to know more about it. But we're going to come back to that. Uh -huh. So it's it's funny that you mentioned your mum because I obviously love your mum and I wanted to ask about, a little bit about yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but first question before, before we come back to, to mums is, what makes you happy, Bianca? Um, I realised just a couple of years ago what actually makes me happy. Um, and that was just being my true self and stopping betraying myself, my ideals, my values, my core values for a job, a relationship, a friendship that really doesn't mm. serve me. And it took me 30 years plus to understand that. Yeah. That's really what makes me happy now. And just to get into that a little bit, how do how does that how has that played how does that played out for you? Is that has that meant you've had to leave um, certain situations, certain people, certain jobs, or or have you changed the situations and jobs? Like it'd be great to get some examples of what you mean, Bianca. Yeah. So in terms of uh, talking about the professional life, so and this also goes back to what is my background and how then I got into aerospace engineering. So uh, when it was when I, I, I realized I wanted to be an aerospace engineer, I'm coming from a background of no engineers, first gen graduated. Um, nobody understood what, what, what I was going to do and why and whatever. Um, so I, I didn't really have an example of, you know, how to build a career, which wasn't just getting your degree and then getting a job at a big corporate or any other startups or agencies. Um, I haven't really done that. I mean, I've changed pretty much across the spectrum. So I, I started in Italy, then I moved to Berlin to work on a NASA project for um, with an SME that was working with NASA. Um, then I moved to the corporate Airbus Defense and Space in the UK five years ago. So I've, I haven't really followed like, a, say, a standard path. I've moved yeah. around, I've, I've experienced many things, uh, but still there was something in me that was telling me that wasn't really my path. And I've hit mm -hmm. the wall when I went to Airbus Defense and Space um, because 
I've started aerospace engineering and I got into space because I, I, I am an innovator and uh, the band, just going beyond the boundaries, just doing things not like they, they were, were done for the past, you know, thousand years, but doing yeah. things that were never done before. And yeah. um, I've just realized that that specific format of, of work of the office wasn't really, I, I wasn't fitting into any of that. And I realized yeah. it wasn't my problem. I didn't have to fit into a specific format. May that be this, right. may that be the business case. So from a personality and from a creative intellectual point of view, I didn't fit into any of those. And I realized I didn't have to fit. So I had yeah. to just make my own way out of that and find jobs, position, teams, and then my business, which were building around me an environment where I could personally thrive as an innovator yeah. and as a person, and I could allow other people around me as a team, as, 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 as uh, collaborators, as colleagues, to thrive with me. So this is what happened when I realized corporate is not for me. It's um, it's a bit of a status quo that you have to get, you know, your... your uh, uh, your degree, and then you go into a big corporation, and then you climb the ladder. This may work for other people. It didn't work for me. And this is where yeah. I really realized it's not for me. Uh, I have to understand what's really for me. Entrepreneurship is more for me. And this is where I said, okay, I need to change everything to make these a part of my lifestyle. Otherwise, I won't yeah. be happy. I, I can relate to so much of that, Bianca. And <laughs> um, and the thing that I want to ask you, right, if someone's listening and they're thinking, I feel exactly how Bianca felt, do you have any advice on, on, cause that could be, people could be feeling different emotions as they could feel trapped. They could feel scared. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they may just feel lost M many different emotions. Do you have any advice on how someone can go from them, from where they are of that feeling? to be able to, to, to feel like how you feel now, Bianca? Uh, so it is true. It's, uh, it's the first emotions may be uh, fear. Uh, fear of yeah. the unknown, especially. Because you may have a job, a position that is well-paid and uh, you, are you, you know that it's a permanent position and it's okay, you're getting your pension, maybe you are married, you have kids, so you, you don't really have that you know, extent of saying, I'm going to risk it all and change everything. So yeah. what I say is, is uh, make calculated risk. You know, everything you jump on after you have a security, a comfort zone, it's a known anyway. Uh, yeah. But that does, if, if that does, you know, it's, it's detrimental to our own well-being, first of all, may that be mental, intellectual, physical. So obviously you have to jump onto something that is better for you. It's, it's yeah. uh, and everything of everything that you jump on and you don't know, it's a risk, but make it as a calculated risk. So this is what I've done, for example, before, well, I started my business during the pandemic which was maybe yeah. a big crisis. Uh, but I didn't jump straight into my business without having an income, without knowing where that was coming from, without really having the experience of starting a new space company out of, you know, just being, uh, just having a job for, for other people. What I've done is I said, okay, the corporate job doesn't work for me. 
uh, I'm starting my business because this is the problem I've seen in my previous jobs. And this is the problem I want to solve for the market with my co-founders who I've met at Herbest Defense Space, by the way. So we were all aligned on the problems we've seen. But before doing that and before having an experience that is lonely, difficult, and you can feel very, very lost. In between, I started working with this amazing startup in the States as a transition so that I'm learning from them on a daily basis what it means to be a leader in a startup world, in a deep tech industry. And at the same time, I'm working on my own business. So I know that every month I'm not risking of being homeless because I don't have an income. And at the same time, I'm not risking of getting all my savings into a business that I don't know how to run. So that was my, my safety net. And it's still being now, and it's been awesome how it's working out. Yeah. Of course, I work a lot. It doesn't mean like you, you it's, then you have to sacrifice on other things, but yeah. make it a risk that is calculated so that, you know, yeah. every month, you know, that if you have bills to pay and if you have kids to feed, everything will come in at the same time. You have to yeah. give in to something anyway. Yeah. And in terms of support network, Bianca, like there's so many different types of privileges, isn't there? There's like gender privilege, there's like, I'm I'm white, so I have like white male privilege. Two privileges there. There's t- two privileges that there's one privilege. I don't, I don't want to rank privileges, but there is one privilege that I think is one of the most amazing ones. If you have a parent that supports you, mm-hmm. um, and I mean emotionally, and some people don't have that, right? Some people have. Um, some people are not lucky to have their parents around. Some people don't have emotional support. And um, obviously, <laughs> I met your mum. Um, and she was there on the day of um, your TEDx, which will be out soon, people. Make sure you, you see Bianca's TEDx. It is amazing. Um, your mum was just was just there and present, wasn't she? Like, yeah. in that journey, right, mm-hmm. are you, did you call your mum? Did you get, did you have conversations about this? Or is is it, she just is, supports whatever you're doing? Do you, do you consult your mum on it? Because I do... I, I know so many people that feel like you, but they don't have that person that they can speak to. Yeah. Um, and not always supportive. So I know people that are thinking about doing stuff and their partner doesn't support them or their parents say it's too risky. I'd just love to know. Um, I'd love to know if your mom, yeah. if you spoke to your mum about this, because people often hide it and don't talk about it. Did you consult your mum? Uh, I did. I did. Uh, I did that with my parents since, again, since I started studying aerospace engineering and they had absolutely no idea what that was. They didn't know what that was, but because, again, coming from a situation that was was a bit rough with my childhood, um, basically my parents were like, you have nothing to lose. Literally, there is nothing you can lose by trying something that was never done before in the family as a woman, as a woman from the south of Italy and this small town we are coming from. So every step of the way, I've always consulted them and make them understand this is making me feeling great. This is not making me feeling feeling okay. Also, having moved across multiple countries, um, they, they, had, they, they knew since the very beginning that that would have been my choice. Yeah. Uh, I would have been, let's say, a bit of a of a nomadic person because I've always followed my path in a way that, okay, if I have to move to a new country where I don't know anybody and I have to start from scratch, I'm going to do that because that's yeah. uh, that my career is it's always been the priority for me. So yeah. they've always understood, they've always supported, and and obviously they don't have the experience in the industry, but they 
emotionally, they've always supported what was meant for me. And knowing yeah. me as a character, as a, and knowing my personality, they obviously understand why I've made certain choices and why I yeah. will make certain choices in the future based on what I think feels more in tune with who I am. Yeah, I love I love that. I just I just it was, it's one of those questions. It's a very personal question, but I did what I, I was interested in that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, in terms of entrepreneurship, and before we go into space dots, just a question on that. It, whilst it's still fresh, is even as you were talking, I was thinking I never actually I was never happy doing anything until I found entrepreneurship. Like I would describe I hated school. I didn't like work. I didn't like career. All that kind of stuff. And I I just felt like I was someone who didn't like anything or I just didn't wasn't into anything. You know, like people have got their thing and they're really yeah. into it. I never had that thing until I found entrepreneurship because you can just kind of do what you want. Mm -hmm. um, kind of. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> kind of <laughs> true true uh, how would you how how yeah that is a good point Bianca I suppose destiny is in your own hands is what I mean as in yes. yeah you can just like make your own decisions and you can live and die by them yeah. and you don't you can just get out there and make make those decisions so in terms of entrepreneurship like for me it's about this like just being able to control your own destiny for good and bad like mm -hmm. what does it actually mean for you uh it is very much that as well uh but also is uh, i think having started my entrepreneurship journey for me was that uh, i i'm i've just realized i have a mission um which mm -hmm. makes me far-fetched but again i didn't know that although I've, I've been working in the space industry for plus 11 years i didn't know what my real purpose mission and direction was until I I went to the corporate. I realized that I was doing things, and I didn't even know why I was doing them. And then I had to see back, and really I had to step away, snap out of this picture, and understand why am I doing these things on a daily basis? What's the yeah. purpose of that? Is 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 there a greater cause that is helping humanity to do this? Of course there was, but it wasn't mine. So I had to find that and I had to say, I have this talking about privilege. I've got into a situation where I have the privilege of having knowledge of something that's of technologies that can actually evolve humanity beyond what we've been so far. Yeah. So why am I not using that in a way that is close to me, is close to my purpose, and I can actually help way more people understanding our life is not just on Earth, but it's also in space. The next generation are gonna leave there. So I had to make this very deep um, this, I ha had this very deep conversation with myself. And then I realized, well, I couldn't really leave that mission with any of those jobs I had before. So I had to find my mission and I had yeah. to do it. This is really what made me realize I want to be an entrepreneur. Plus the fact that I'm way more comfortable with chaos and unknowns than stability because that bothers me. So <laughs> I love that. I love, I love that. And I just want to get one little bit there. I've read this research report that when we're children, we're taught um, that if you have a voice in your head, that you're crazy. And I read this report that we all have a voice in our heads and that if we don't talk to it, it can actually cause us to be unhappy. And I don't know if it was just a turn of phrase when you said that, 
But um, the report was basically saying we need to okay. actually address the questions that, mm -hmm. that go on in this in a monologue. And, and if we ignore them, it's also like ignoring a person. <laughs> so yeah. can you, is that, was that a turn of phrase or did you, were you actually sitting there having this conversation with yourself? I would love to know. I was literally having this conversation with myself. And when you say a voice in your head, I actually have multiples. So yeah. Yeah. multiple voices because you have the voice of reason where, you know, is that I kind of talk to that voice like my higher self, you know, like my yeah. mature self who's basically looking at things from the outside with an objective high and is looking at me like, okay, that was stupid. That was something that you weren't meant to do. You probably have to yeah. do something else. That's my voice of reason. But also you have these other voices that are, you know, negative self-talk. They yeah. also exist. And, uh, and I do have the conversation with them on a daily basis. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have these two different sides of, of your brain, of yourself, of your personality. And uh, I have to listen to them and I have to understand what's really through, what are really the thoughts that are through or that are, they are just coming out of my subconscious belief that was based on when I was mm. raised as a child and what's really meaningful. So I do have the conversation with those. So I may be seen as crazy and sometimes even talk aloud to myself. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I do, I do that and it's yeah. very important I have to understand what what of what of those voices is real and it's meaningful and what is not and how I have yeah. to cope with that it's so it's so powerful to share that because I have that all the time with um we have we we, we really with our employees we're open with the finances mm -hmm. and um when we were um at the beginning of the pandemic all of our customers well not all of our customers a lot of our customers said um they want to continue working with us but they can't afford to pay us mm -hmm. so it's like a mini credit crunch and our our run our cash runway went from six months to about five weeks mm -hmm. and it was a really scary moment but we have this um thing about finance that um sharing is caring mm -hmm. okay if you tell we always keep our team up to date on what on what cash is in the business because it's a really important factor but sometimes before i present it I have a voice in my head that says this is just stupid like we're just gonna scare everyone by telling that telling everyone this and then i have to talk to myself again and say no unless we're breaking labor laws everyone that we employ is an adult um and they will understand this by and by understanding it they will be able to help us make better decisions um but i still have that voice every time that just says you're an idiot like, it actually calls me i call myself an idiot and then i have to talk myself out of it at the last minute and go on and do the thing um, 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 you know, I'm, I'm glad you shared that because it's, uh, I, I do that to myself too. Uh, I call myself the worst names ever yeah. from stupid to worse. And I always say like, I am my worst bully in my head and I have yeah. to make sure that, that, you know, that part of my brain is not overcoming the other one. Uh, yeah. it, it exists in everyone. Even, uh, even before going to the TEDx, uh, when I was writing the script, I was like, why am I even doing this? Why, why uh, literally, I said to Toby, <laughs> why am I even going on that stage to share yeah. that nobody cares about? That was my thought in my head. Yeah. And I had to, I told him, I shared that opinion with him. And he said, okay, so do you think that's real? Um, yeah. I said, no, probably that voice is not real. So I said, see? <laughs> yeah. So, because the irony of that is that what I, for, for the listeners, just so they know, I actually took my children out of school. I don't know if I told you this, but I specifically took them out to school to hear you and Melissa speak. 
because I felt that your stories in space and what you're doing are really important for children to hear. Um, and I didn't, and I purposely didn't want to say just my daughter. I wanted my son to come along and hear about um, the stuff that you guys are doing in a very male-dominated industry, because I think it's important for both of them to hear. And and they talk, they both, they both talk about space all the time now. So <laughs> it obviously it obviously works. But if you'd listened to that voice, my children wouldn't have then got inspired. So I'm pleased that you told that voice to to to, to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay so we've empowered everyone to tell their voices in their head to shut up that's that's the first yeah. thing we established today so i need you to i need you to break down space dots for me because you said really quickly about seven different things <laughs> and i need i need to understand it like what's um you're on this mission you told us about the mission can you connect the mission to space dots and just just tell me exactly because you just take for granted that, that yeah yes so break that break that down for me please Bianca. i'm gonna translate that into yeah into different words so uh, basically as as i was explaining the mission of contributing to the evolution of humankind beyond earth and maybe space ecosystem or interplanetary spaces whatever uh that's always that clearly it's it's hundreds of years away we are not going to live on Mars, you know, in the next 10 years or 20 years. We are attempting, we're going to make tests of people going to the moon, habitats, whatever. But it's going to take time. And the, the backbone of everything that is done and is innovated for space, as much as for any other things we're actually using on Earth in technology, is materials. So when I, for my entire career, I've been working on thermal solutions for spacecrafts, meaning when you launch a spacecraft on orbit, obviously you are going, it's, it's rotating around the Earth and the temperatures can go very, very quickly from, from plus 150 or 250 Celsius to minus 150, depending wow. on the orbit. And everything that is on that spacecraft, especially batteries, opticals, whatever, they need to stay within a certain temperature range, pretty much like humans. We have a set average temperature. And if it goes up or if it goes down, the entire system doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And we get sick. The same with the spacecraft. You have batteries within any other payloads within a spacecraft that irrespective of how many times this is rotating around the Earth and how much is that temperature different outside in the cold of space, they have to stay within maybe 20 to 35 degrees Celsius. So that's really tough. It's a really tough challenge, yeah. especially when spacecraft are becoming smaller you need more power you need more mich missions have to be more powerful so like you're injecting so much heat into each of these tiny devices and they're just heating up right. um so what i've learned throughout my career is that the only way of making spacecraft and anything that works in space obviously comes from a thermal challenge and to uh, to help or prevent or to avoid this 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 heat ups of everything in space you have to use materials that were never used before you can't just be relying on titanium or aluminium or whatever other things they they are part of the past and there is so much research in material science of you know super amazing cool nanomaterials 
which need to be used if we want to have this extra evolution in space. New materials, yeah. new structures, new way of manufacturing things need to be used and being applied in space if we actually want to see this extra evolution. So how it ties with my mission is that I've seen that to qualify the entire qualification process of testing, development, qualification, first flight heritage, basically you have to you create your own material. There is a long process of testing it and qualifying on Earth because you have to simulate basically the environment that you would find in space. Then yeah. you need to have your first flight heritage. So to get to a technology readiness level nine, which is, okay, this thing works, we can actually use it for space applications. Then you have to go to space and you have to make sure that in a certain orbit, in certain operating conditions, the material, the system, the robotic arm, whatever, is, is operating as you would expect. Yep. To do this jump of technology, there is a gap, which is called the valley of death. And in between the technology readiness level four and seven, where basically you mo most of this material gets stuck. Because before that, there is academia, there is like low level research, concept, evaluation. Yeah. And beyond that, there is the actual proof of concepts into the environment that is meaningful. In between that, they get stuck because of funding, because everything is just too hard. They, um, you don't have much investment into that kind of gap because obviously the, the reliability or the credibility of that concept is not really there. So we do act in that gap and we yeah. have developed the space dots. Actually, I had the mock-up 3D printed, which is in the room now. I can't go and get it. Uh, but it's, it's a 10 by 10 by one centimeter platform, which has labs integrated on it. And each of the lab is able to test the mechanical and thermal properties of the materials wow. directly in space. And what we do is really the first one that has a platform with data acquisition. It's so small, meaning you don't have the consequential test of mechanical, thermal, and then reproducing the environment. You literally shrink everything together into one platform, which is smaller than an iPhone. And yeah. you have these tested directly in space for a order of magnitude less of money and time than all the other qualifications out there yeah wow i mean that is a great that is a great description and it's so it's like that yeah i, I was thinking about homeostasis and then thinking about that in in space and, and the complications of everything you're trying to do with that environment and and the products so in terms of human beings mm -hmm. and space um and team and your co-founder you're the thing that i was thinking when you were talking is you're working on two very difficult things at the same time as in safety is when it comes to what you're doing is obviously really important mm -hmm. and then innovation like but sometimes those two things don't always work well together do they like because to be innovative sometimes you've got to push the boundaries yeah like how do you and your team think about those concepts and, and what you're trying to do? Um, how, how do you balance that out, Bianca? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> so, but in terms of when in terms of innovation, so the one thing that at least in the in the space industry, where we tend to talk about new space and old space, by the way, for for the sake of everyone, 
the old space means generally agencies, corporates, governments who are working towards. So that all those companies and space programs that have come from government-led funds, yeah. government. So NASA, NASA, and people like that. Yeah, so so that kind of all the huge corporates like Airbus, Boeing, all of those ones. And then yeah. when we talk about new space, it's the new commercial startups, which have obviously capped through most of those uh, long iterations and different hierarchies to get stuff done quicker and sometimes yeah. even better, or just to allow innovation to happen in an environment which is more fast-paced. Yeah. This is the difference. We obviously operate in the new space. And uh, in terms of industry, when you operate in this kind of environment, you obviously have to understand that you can do innovation and you can kind of, you can bypass a couple of, you know, regulations procedure to a point. You can do that because you are taking that risk on your own. You are putting your own money or obviously funds towards that innovation. And it's understood that, you may risk to fail with the first, second, third, whatever, fifth project, like every other science project anyway. There is the failure yeah. rate is, is obvious, it's by default. But we can just fail more fast and iterate faster. This is yeah. what happens with our innovation. On the other side, though, as much as, as I was saying, we can move faster, fail faster, make things that nobody's done before, then in order to make them work, and in order also to, to have a possibility to, to get this stuff into space and to have customers who can rely on our service, we have to look at all the standards that have yeah. been used so far on Earth, from corporates, from the European Space Agency, from NASA. We do have to work and design towards those standards, especially for us that we are doing qualification. And we spoke with the customer the other day, and obviously they were worried about the fact that, okay, this is amazing, this is shorter, this is bypassing a certain levels of qualification, but how do I make sure that the, the what you are giving me, the certificate at the end you are giving me, is something that Airbus or another big prime industry in the space is going to say, oh, I accept that, I understand that you've been fully qualified, so I can buy your product. So you have to balance out the fact that, yes, this is great and it's going to go faster and cheaper, but how do I make my customer understand and everyone else understand, yeah, it's also been done by the rules. So that's the balancing act we have to do. Plus, it's always a collaboration. As much as you can be an innovator, you have to rely on governments and agencies or, or anyone out there to either have the funding or have the having, having them as a customer or as a, as a supplier, as a supporter. There is always this kind of, we can't innovate just Even Elon Musk had to go to NASA and had to comply with certain regulations. Yeah. So, so, yeah, <laughs> we have to do yeah. that. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That, no, that, 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 it does give us insight, Bianca. And, and Fat, we love founder stories. How, how, how did you meet your co-founder? I think you mentioned it was at the, yeah. at the previous company. Can you just tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we were so we are three co-founders. Uh, yeah. um, the other two co-founders are both James and James. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> one is our CTO and another one has stayed within the company as our tech advisor. It's, it's overlooking the entire vision roadmap. 
And we met because we were all product managers at Airbus Defense and Space. So I joined Airbus as a product manager on thermal solutions for the big telecommunications spacecraft. Uh, Jim was the product manager on the propulsion systems. And then James joined us later to work with both of us, uh, especially to give in with the, to come in with a structural mechanical engineering uh, skills. So basically, yeah. the three of us had uh, were working at the same program, but with the three very different skills. Because also the major subsystem of a spacecraft is thermal propulsion and structural. So we had the three all these complementary skills, and we all realized that working on such different amazing materials from three D printed lattice structures, adhesive with nanomaterials embedded, whatever. We were all working on these developments. None of them was actually moved. None of them moved forward as much as we had spent money and time on developing them. None of them, not, not all of them. Well, a, a, percent, a good percentage of those was either too out there, too futuristic. So it wasn't included in, the, in, in our innovation roadmap because yeah. it wasn't part of the business case. Or it was just, just was developed but never went to space. And uh, we were all frustrated about this because we, we, we were all seeing the same problem from three different perspectives. So during the pandemic again, plus we were frustrated with the culture. All of us didn't fit mm -hmm. into that culture. It was just, yeah. again, a personality thing. Uh, so during the pandemic, we started chatting on WhatsApp out of a kind of a joke, literally. And yeah. we said, probably we should do something about it. And uh, we basically started a new space company out of a WhatsApp chat. I love it. I love <laughs> it. And and have you screenshotted the original chat of the first? The first oh, yeah, bit? it's still there. It's still there. Yeah, just, just screenshot. Just in case. Make sure you screenshot because you'll, you'll, you'll want that in 10 years time just in case <laughs> yeah. you lose it. So yeah, we started working on the design when we were like locked into our rooms with laundry in the background. It's like it's it's amazing. <laughs> I think there's something in that, don't they? They say every joke that anyone ever makes, there is some truth in it. So there, there, there's this was really one of those. <laughs> yeah, I, lo I I love it. And just a couple more questions. Um, funding. I would say funding is one of my fun. It's the funnest, one of the funnest things I do and the biggest, hardest, most stressful bane of my life. I don't, I can't work, work out which one it is. Um, I know <laughs> we chatted the other day. Um, yeah. Funding, how's it going? Like what, um, uh, what, I mean, we have we have investors who listen to this. Like we'd, we'd love to know um, what's happening and if there's opportunities for people out there to get involved. Oh, well, I really love that. So in terms of funding, again, the space industry is very specific. So um, as unlike maybe software-based or any other businesses, the space industry is so very specific because there, are, there aren't many investors that, first of all, understand what the space industry is and, second, want to actually invest in something that is going to make a return of investment not in two months but in years because this right. is this so the major challenge that we have in the industry is that th there isn't a massive pool of investors we can talk to and uh, so that's the main thing uh plus we have so, to Bianca, can i capture that then because yeah. a lot of people look at like a four-year five horizon don't they maximum they like want their back by money back whereas the stuff you're talking about is so long term 
that that's the first barrier is that is that yeah. correct have i understood that yeah yeah it's yeah. it's that it's not it's it's not a commercial service like uber or it's not like a commercial industry like right, yeah. where you have like mass production so as a matter of fact you're gonna sell more faster and you're gonna get your money back much you know in a faster fashion that doesn't happen in space even if you work on big constellation of spacecraft they are rolled out in you know in in in, in batch of years uh, yeah. So that's really the, the main matter that you have in the space industry. So it's so niche. And even my own project is very niche within the industry itself. Yeah. And it's hard to um, it's hard to explain at a very early stage what's the market validation, what's the um, you know, having all those those information in, it's hard to find them as and, and then as a consequence, it takes more time for us to talk with customers and really have that bottom-up approach where oh, yeah. I have to really understand from each of those individuals, I don't have market reports. I have to understand by speaking with hundreds of people what's really the market, make my own projections, then go and speak with a, with an investor, and they have to understand that as much as I have these projections and the market is big and blah blah blah, still there is some time that is needed to get this developed to get it into space and to get the money back maybe that for re by revenue uh by an exit even you know talking about exit that's the main thing that it's important to to investors and yeah. obviously if i talk about an exit by an ipo i can't really say that i'm gonna have an ipo in five years because yeah. Because I, I need at least three years to get this functioning in space. So how am I exit with an IPO? How do I do that in five years? So there are all these things that you have to think about. That's the reason why the space industry is so very specific. And there is like a generic problem in yeah. terms of investors. Although many, many new funds are coming up, which is great. Yeah. Then there is obviously the obvious problem of just 1.1% of these funds VC, I'm not into the VC stage, I'm pre-seed yeah. stage, but only 1.1% goes to female founders. Yeah, I read that. Uh, which is scary. Um, so far, I don't think I've, I've, I've seen any difference in you know behaviors, whether it's me pitching or whether it's James, my CTO pitching. Uh, I haven't yeah. seen that. So I can't really tell, oh, that's true. They've asked me questions which they didn't ask James. Yeah. Uh, that may happen in the future, I don't know. Um, but in any case, especially in talking more generically about the space industry, we, we are lagging behind the states. The states has NASA and has like funds which are like 10x or maybe 100x what we have yeah. from our own agencies. It's just a, a, a political and economical difference. Yeah. So we have to deal with what we have and and go after the 50k, 100k, 200k grants plus the pre-seed plus the seed and then and. and yeah, it's 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 a long process. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, good good luck. Good luck with it, Bianca, and and, and I'm sure you'll be updating us on on LinkedIn and so yeah. on as it goes <laughs> along. But we'll be keeping an eye out. Just a couple a couple of quick things. You mentioned there that the trio of you weren't happy with the culture of where you were working. Mm -hmm. So we might have people that are listening that are running big corporates, and one of the things that I think is big companies need to be better to be able to help people that feel like entrepreneurs because i think not every entrepreneur needs to go and start a business as in you can have a lot of these feelings and instincts and still be incredibly um 
have an incredible career in a big corporate but it's just things need to change like if you would if, if we had five ceos here of of big corporates what's the one bit of advice that you would say if you could do it like this you've got more chance of keeping that talent in your organization what would the one bit of advice be bianca um to 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 give people a chance to really work on their full potential and what do i mean by that i'm giving you again yeah. an example i was hired as an innovator because i was an innovator and i needed to shake things up from a technological point of view yeah. and i remember i told this specific words to my manager at the time when i left and i said when you are hiring a person who is an innovator as a matter of fact, this person is going to be different from your average employee. Uh, she or he is not going to be like, you know, mainly worried about clock in and clock out. This person may be working over the weekends and you don't even know, maybe networking with thousand people and making connections and making things out of nowhere that were never done before. So the way of working of a person who is an innovator and is very creative and this is, is, is doing something that nobody's done before, Obviously, it's not going to be the employee who's going to sit in front of a screen for eight hours, then go home and not think about that anymore. Yeah. So I, I said that uh, because also most of these corporates, obviously, you go there and you have a safety of a job. So at, yeah. at a certain point, you kind of lose perspective and you kind of lose the, the will to, to do something because you're excited. You just do yeah. it because you do it. And I think for people who are excited, instead of telling them, oh, you should be more in the office or you should be more doing these and that, if they yeah. want to work and they want to travel around the world and spread the word of the company, just allow them to do that. If they are capable and if they have these, just don't restrain them because this is how they work. This is how they change things. Yeah. And uh, don't expect them to be the average Joe in the office. Literally. Yeah, I love that. And I've always been a big believer that the best people to promote, the best marketing you can do is let your employees get out there and tell people about the place. Because <laughs> it'll attract new talent, it'll attract customers and so yeah. on. Um, Bianca, I want to um, not spoil any of the uh, TED talk, but you obviously talked about yourself growing up. Um, mm -hmm. let's, pick, let's pick 10 just randomly 10 years old mm -hmm. if um if we let's say we get into space and we um we find a time machine up there mm -hmm. um, and we could and you could go back and we go back your mum's there um what advice what advice would you would you give a 10 year old bianca oh god that's emotional now um <laughs> <laughs> um I, I would say two things um because when i was 10 years old and even now i've always felt alienated or different or weird from mm. everyone else and i would say you know that's something that really paid off you being weird and feeling weird and feeling different and doing things differently is exactly how you had to be yeah. so like don't don't you worry about being alone at home because people don't understand you that's exactly what you were meant to do and the second one is that i would just say you have no idea what you're going to do in the future so just buckle up eat well sleep yeah. because you're not going to do that very much in your in your in your 30s uh this is what i would really say i love it well bianca i just want to finish but on behalf of all our listeners say thank you there's so much in this episode that 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 i am sure people listening are going to go away and marinate on 
Um, and I'm, I'm pleased that we allow people to talk to their voices in their heads as well, which I think was, was yeah. a highlight for me. But <laughs> I just wanted to finish by saying thank you. Thanks to you, Matt. Really, really pleased to be here.